Hi. Hello. I'm Alexis Hyde. I'm Erica Wong. This is Hyde for Practice. Uh, we have got gallery director Hamilton Selway here in Los Angeles, the one and only Andrea Bashtu. She is incredible. She's got like so much crazy experience. She's like doing so many things. She's got her eye on so many prizes. Every time I talk to her, I'm just like blown away. And so um, I persuaded her. I conned her. I might have paid her, guys. You don't know. And you'll never know because these things are secret uh, to come on so she can share some of her wonderful insight with us and with y'all. And Andrea, thank you so much for coming. Yay. Oh my God. What an introduction. Just casual facts. I mean, dang. I feel like saying too, like, I immediately want to be like, hey guys, <laughs> long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> yes. Because I listen to you guys all the time. So I'm super stoked to actually be on here. Oh my I god, know. mutual admiration. I, I just want to fangirl. I know I'm gonna fangirl for a minute. Because it's super helpful. Some of the things that you guys touch on are things that I think people don't always want to ask, maybe because they feel kind of silly about asking or they're like wondering, or even just like the topics you guys get into. It's kind of it's interesting and it's good because I think a lot of people want to hear about these things. They just don't want to be public about it. <laughs> I know. I have no shame. So I'll just be out there asking questions. That makes it also it. sound like we're guilty pleasure are we oh yeah i mean like i'd love you behind closed doors out. <laughs> listening to hider practice this is hider practice we've got andrea on the line andrea what do you yeah. have to tell us this time tell us about yourself that's what we all want to know that's what we came here for give us some background <laughs> who are you where do you come from what Oof. are you even doing oh my god i mean where to begin really um I mean, I'm a born and raised Los Angelino. I know it rarely so happens. Rare. It rare, rarely rare. happens. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I kind of knew I was ready for the art world back as a pop. Um, I, I took my first art history course when I was in high school. And from that point on, I was like, here we go. This is it. And uh, I think after that, I kind of just like, deep dived as far as I could and have been doing this now for like 17 years officially like in the world in the art world which is a crazy thing to say because it feels like a minute but also feels like an entire lifetime of doing this mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> and I think um even being a director of a gallery here in West Hollywood I still kind of go like well what's next like yep where do I go? Like now we got, now I got, I'm thinking about the next thing. Like what's the next thing? And it's always that way in this industry. I think, I mean, I've done everything under the sun from packing and shipping to doing what I'm doing now. And it's, you're like, yeah, I've done it all. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. I have a question. I'm going to start because yeah. I know yeah, very little it. in life. Mm. Uh, so yeah, Dr. So Wong you, doesn't yeah, know much. Yeah. Come on in. So you, okay. So you took the art history class in high school and you were like this yes. is it. this is my life then what sort of steps did you take what was it that did you then go to art school did you then what what did you actually do could you take us through some of those major decisions Ooh, yes because I can tell you right now if you ever thought that like linear path for which I'm sure everybody has said this but linear path for the art world does not exist nope. um and mine was definitely circles and zigzags and setbacks all along the way but initially I was like, okay, so art history was amazing. So I think I'm gonna continue. I was like, of course, you just like take art history courses, right? I'll be an art history major. And my parents very quickly were like, that's cute. Good luck with that, but you better get a business degree. And I was like, jokes on you guys, not doing it. <laughs> um, I um, actually packed up and like left. I was going to CSUN for about two years, which I just, it wasn't for me. Um, and I packed up my stuff and I moved to Italy, as you do. And um, I took art history and Italian studies, and that was what I graduated with. Um, and I moved back to LA 
thinking I'm amazing. I have this art history degree. I can speak Italian. Everybody's going to want to work with me. JK, LOL. No, they don't. They don't know who you are. <laughs> P.S. At the time, L.A. didn't have the art world that it has now. It was a very, very different art world than it is today. Oh, so um, what year is that? But just give, I don't want to date oh, you, but you know, girl. let's put it into context here as to like, why was the art world in L.A. a bit different than what it is now? So back around let's say it was probably when I came back it was like 2009 something like that 2009 2010 um yes we're a young pop we're like early 20s now and um you know at the time LA was sort of looked at as this like design sort of area if you were buying art it was because it looked great behind your couch but it was really the couch that you spent a long lot of time looking for <laughs> and yep. the piece of art just sort of came later so there were collectors here i don't want to say that there there weren't at the time but it just it didn't hold the same that it holds now where now we have like actual art fairs that want to be here and more and more galleries are coming out this way and you know first it started with the artists who could get studios out here there was like no one at the time and at the big thing that was going really was street art um that was really where everybody was kind of finding things and doing things and so i started interning at a gallery two galleries at the time um on la brea there were two um they're both closed now they no longer exist um but i just knew that if i just kind of like got in anywhere i'd be good and so i was doing the two and i was trying to turn one of them into a job but it wasn't really panning out and it and there weren't too many other galleries that were really looking at the time either it was just like really you had to have really hefty backgrounds to get and, and like places like Blum and Poe did exist at the time but they were looking for people who really had backgrounds behind them you know it's and one like of those also, things where you're for like people who were listening like Blum and Poe at the time like we're talking about a staff of like five yes maybe four <laughs> like <laughs> these are small yes. staffs and like and yes. that, that was the big gallery in LA at the time like that and it like was. Gagosian and like these places had like maybe employed like six people and anybody else that was employed there was an art handler so like if it did have a team of 15 like nine of those people are moving art and there's like four administrative like positions and like that's it like we're talking about 100 100 percent. because a lot of these flagships that were here in LA at that time people didn't want to invest too much in because they weren't making the same, they weren't going to make the same kind of money as, as in like their New York or London location. So, you know, you rock up with an art history degree, art history degree and you think, can I? And everybody's like, well, no, do you have a master's education? And you're like, damn it. <laughs> so I decided to go into massive amounts of debt and go and get my master's degree. Uh, which I did in our business. And I did that. I just decided to pack up again and I moved to London and I started to work there because I thought, okay, New York to me was just, I know I'm a born and raised Los Angeles, you know, so New York was too intense for me. Um, London, London felt, is, that's hilarious. <laughs> because I'll tell you why I've always said this London to me feels like if New York and LA had a baby, it would be London. So it was like the the happy medium. And I was like, well, we're going into debt anyways. Let's just like really do it. <laughs> Amazing. Um, and I felt like there was, you know, more opportunity there. I don't know. Um, again, jokes on me because after I did get my master's done and I was like, oh, oh God, I think I was interning again at like, the age of 25 or 26 at the time and so my boss was a 20 year old uh -huh. which was fun and you learn to really humble yourself and go okay it's cool I'm here let's do it again I was interning at like two or three galleries I was working part-time at a vintage shop and at a pub and cleaning a friend's apartment when she would let me for her Airbnb to make a little extra cash and I literally was just like this is this is this what this life looks like? Yes. <laughs> yes, it's a commitment to work in this industry. Yes. Yep. 
It is. And especially when you're kind of like, you know, people would come to my university at the time and would lecture about like how they got to where they were going. And it was so frustrating because every single person who came and spoke started, well, I was really lucky. And like my parents knew somebody or, you know, I was introduced to and I was like, if one more person starts their journey with, I was super lucky as opposed to listen, I was broke. I took on every job I could think of, did anything I could do (laughs) to try and just have my foot in the door. Like I would have related more to that, but I just wasn't that those weren't the stories I was getting. I was getting the stories where it was like, my parents a collector, blah, blah, blah. Um, right and it's also like I think that just I want to touch on for anybody listening because even like what you were talking about with the two galleries you were interning with in LA like that's also luck like part of like that luck thing I think that's so important is that people like kind of forget too is that like even like with those two galleries that you worked at in LA like the first ones that you were interning at that aren't there anymore like that's also luck like that you could like apply to a a gallery and like, cause there are a lot of places where you can become an intern, then an assistant, then like an associate director, et cetera, et cetera, and build, but like the gallery in, you know, areas outside of your control because you're an intern is going to succeed or not. And like, yeah, because like you applied in May or like you moved back in August, you know, depending on who's hiring and who quit or who got some big sale. Like that's also just like luck of like, figuring out even like where that is because so many I'll see people especially like you know like oh yeah I just like got lucky and I applied and like I got hired it's like yep because you like happened to be in April and you did the right time they were right yeah so sorry keep going so but you're right all these people coming in with these big stories hustle as well is a big deal because you know at the time before I got those internships was I was still packing up my stuff you know, trying to figure out how to get back to LA from Italy. And I was like, right, I need to hit the ground running though. So I was already sending out emails to everybody, any gallery that I could see existing. I didn't care what they did. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send them an email. I'm gonna send them an email. I'm gonna say like, look, I, you know, here's my CV. I, you know, I had a little bit of experience of having worked with an artist at the time. And um, you know, I'm, I'm just moving back to LA and blah, blah, blah. And just really just canvassed. And I think I got like three emails back. Um, and my, that's just, all you know, that you need. No, that was a lot. It was a lot. And, you know, I was also like, I'm working for free. This is the time yeah. when interns, you know, you paid with getting experience. That's how you were paid. Um, if you got a little money on the side, it was like, oh my God, this is I know. amazing. So they bought you a coffee and you're like, yes! Um, <laughs> exactly. Um, and so doing it all again in London and then, you know, ha- hearing these stories where people were just like, well, oh, this is what happened. You're like, mm, that's not my story at all. Um, there was definite moments of like, okay, I'm going to close this shop down for a second and have a mini breakdown on the stairs because I have 20 pounds. And I don't know how I'm going to pay rent. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I thought about it. And in those moments, and even now I still think about it. And I'm just like, you know what, though? I'm good for nothing else. In a sense that, like, it's it's the art world or bust. And you kind of have to have that in you and know that about yourself. If you're If you're kind of coming from, my parents had, like, no art background. Um, you know, they were first generation here in LA. And so it was kind of like, you know, yeah, you get a business degree or you do something that's like, it makes sense. You become a lawyer, you become a doctor or something, something that they could understand. And so I wasn't getting the same, I'm kind of support when I was doing this art world stuff, because they were just like, I don't get it. You're not going to make money. You're not going to take care of yourself. Now they're very proud of me. (laughs) yeah and I'm like thank you but uh you know at the time it's like nobody gets it and so you kind of just have to have this this drive and this want and this need that like this is all like I can do and what I want to do and what I love to do and you just have to hold on to that and if you don't have that then I don't know how you survive in the art world (laughs) yeah 
No, it is. It's like, it's like an otherworldly push where you just like can't stop in that. Is it compulsion? I don't know. Well, I think that also the the research says that in order for you to work in the arts, the commitment and the love for the industry surpasses, I think like every other industry, because you can't actually make it in the industry partly of course yes it's the connections that you have or like the family financial something that you can afford to do this but also what is independently different as art it is as an industry is that the love and care for the industry is actually significantly higher because I think that everyone knows that the barrier to entry is very high Mm-hmm. So people are are willing to go and make that investment and that commitment to work in the industry. Granted, like nobody really talked. Well, I don't. I think more so now people do talk about the I was dead broke or I wrote the thousand emails. Like I wrote probably ten emails a day every day after I finished my my classes. I would send out right. probably like seventy emails a week to go and see if I. Yeah. You know, I think this is just something that happens. I think that's something that is very common in London that all the kids did that it was you know I mean like just so all the kids do that you're like I guess I'm gonna do that too or you sit outside of the gallery and you wait for someone to be like can I intern with you like that was also really common which I know about but but that is part of the social fabric of getting into the industry is that you just there's a lot of borderline stalking yes heavily I mean, I remember even just when there was like just a, a an idea of a job with somebody and I would be emailing and checking in casually being at the same openings that they were at. <laughs> the desperation was real. And I wonder, like, I think back to like people, like I just got like a physical flashback to some of the people that I've like been like following up with like over the years, like when I was like, really like needing work and it's like I wonder if they could smell my desperation like I wonder like how many times it's, it's like you know it's like you're doing the math in your head and you're like okay if I email them on the fifth and it's the fifth of the yep. next month is that two exact should I wait until the yep. sixth like what's the <laughs> hey just follow kinda like, it's like kind of like dating back. it's dating yeah. all over again a little bit but um you're right it's the love and care I wish those barriers weren't there I wish we were more um I mean, yeah. I find even today, I, you know, so I work a lot in secondary market and I still, there are still people when, and I feel like I'm, I've come pretty far and I'll still interact with some people and they hear I work in secondary market and all of a sudden it's like their nose is just like magnetized upwards and no longer want to talk to me. And I'm Which like, is crazy, but that's until they need you. Exactly, because some client of their random, like, needs something random that they don't work with. And then they're mm-hmm. like, oh, wait, didn't I meet somebody? But, you know, at the time when we were chatting, it was like, oh, gosh, do you do secondary markup? <laughs> it's so <laughs> silly. It's so... It is. The, where people choose to be snobby is always, like, one of my, like, low-key favorite things about the art world. Yeah. Um, because it's just, like, especially because, like, if you're in the art world, you, like, have to know, like, how big it is. Like, I mean, it's not big, but, like, it's so big for, like, big. one individual person to consume. So, like, the amount of people who, like, tried to shame me because I didn't see a show or I haven't been to London lately or I didn't, yeah. I don't have a client for their whatever or, like, you know, they won't give me a price on something until I, like, tell them which one I'm interested in. And I'm like, I don't know who I'm interested Like, I'm sorry, like, I don't have, I literally sent this email last week. Like, I don't have any clients that I can just like send things to without prices. Like this is, this is a waste of like my time. Right. And finally I got back to me with prices. Cause like, even like, even the people who have like the stupid FU money, like they also want to know, like, is this, this painting might be worth $10,000 to them where they might be willing to spend a hundred thousand dollars on this painting, but it's still going to de- depend. They still need to know how much it costs. Yeah. And people yes. are so silly. I love like that gatekeeping in our world. You're just like, it takes all of us guys to make it all oh. go round. It really but- does. And it's funny because you're right. There, There is like the, I would like to say there's the, there's the whole of the art world. And then there's like these little m- micro worlds within mm-hmm. that art world. And I've jumped in a few of them 
just because of all the different things that I've done in my career. And I've always said, look, I, I am not above anything. I will take, if it's a job, it's an art world, I'm going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and kind of going through all of those things and then ending up and working, I work a lot with addition prints now and I do secondary market. And, you know, when people hear that and they hear addition print, they're like, oh, it's a print. Like, it's a print, but it's going to cost you $150,000. Right. You know, it still holds a value that is like insane to me, but you heard print and it, it's almost like it was a dirty word coming out of your mouth. Yeah. Um, Which is so interesting, but it is, it's like all these different separate worlds that everybody kind of looks at differently. And I'm on the outside just kind of going, but um, whatever can't this is fun right like at the end of the day isn't this supposed to be fun it's like why we got into art yes a little bit like I think so it's amazing we get to work with pretty things and we get to <laughs> communicate with the world in such a different way and like I feel like that gets missed sometimes too it's like you guys we're not brain surgeons so <laughs> I know I know I, I, like, I never thought that it was fun huh no, but you guys both are like, it's what? fun. And I was like, Hmm, I don't know. I mean, it's stressful and it's hard and it's oh, complicated yeah. and stuff, but like, I think this is much more fun than like selling insurance. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Maybe that's how I look at it. Cause you're right. I mean, mental breakdowns happen aplenty oh, as I've been going through it, but, um, it's still like, you know, how random to be at like an opening and you're just you know especially I guess maybe when I was younger it was more fun because it was like free champagne and it was right. you know like the whole so fancy let's go to these openings and they give you free things and you're like yeah I'm so I'm so posh right. yes exactly I know right because and then now it's like <laughs> oh, I know I have an opening I don't want to go weekend. I don't want to go <laughs> but I think it's it's fun though I do think um, that like of all of the jobs that we could have and like the jobs that like I know I mean like LA it's so easy because it's such a big creative like place you know like because like there's so many writers and actors and producers yes. and directors and well you know like so many like creative things but like even so I feel like art's more fun I think it's more I, I guess I think it's fun think okay yes more interesting and I guess I think it's fun because like I get to look at really pretty things all day long yeah. and that's important to me because even even you know I, I have these moments where I have to like go out and see a bunch of different things in other galleries and just because I need that fix I need to look at what people are creating and what's out there and, and it just makes me feel more of like a whole person and that's kind of cool that my my job does that which also makes it funny because a lot of what I do is people's hobbies like for them going on the weekend going to the museum or something like that is like a hobby and for me I'm like oh my god I am. like that's what I do all the time <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah like yeah if, if they're lucky they go a couple times a year and like it becomes yeah. like a drag because we've got to go a couple times a month and it's like oh I don't have time for this um I would love to circle back there because you did talk about I feel like there is this crazy misconception about like additions and paperworks of like that kind of thing where like people are snobby about it but it's also yeah. which is incredible to me though because I think that like it's such a vital part of so many people's working practices and not only in terms of like how they make money like the artists and galleries etc like yes. all the way up and down um because if you guys yes. think you know Nick Gagosian's not selling editions uh you're wrong and uh they are yeah, like Pace has a whole yeah, they have a whole, has a whole gallery does and a whole too. thing dedicated to it. They all have yes. they all have yep. these like major major edition uh, uh, departments, but also that like it's also like a really important part of like a lot of artists like practice. Like a lot of like artists really do mm -hmm. like engage with the practice of like making editioned works, and I like do you mind I don't know could you just like expand on it a little bit because you've got a little bit more you've got more experience than I do obviously yes. on this but I just think uh, I mean that's something that blows my mind all the time it blows my mind as well I mean the amount of people that I will have that come into the gallery and, and they'll look at you know pieces that we have framed on the wall and they'll go well wait is this an original and you're like no it's an addition and they they sort of change their tone and they're like oh well then how many are there and you'll say something like well there you know it's an edition of 75 or it's an edition of you know 50 whatever and 
And they're like, so 50 other people have this? <laughs> That's true. I'm really, like, I, I, yes. yes. Did, you like, say yes. Just, did you just say yes, indeed, that is true. I know. I'm like, yes. I mean, in theory, yes, 50 people are owning this one particular piece at any one given time. Um, but I, I think what people forget is like, you know, I may not be able to spend, you know, $100,000 on your artwork, but you've got an edition print for a thousand. That's amazing. And the artist signed it and numbered it and maybe even some hand embellished things. You're like, that's amazing. And there's only a thousand. Perfect. I, I can add it to my collection. Um, and I love that art. I'm seeing it more and more actually, as I, you know, some artists that I'm following on Instagram, and you're seeing that they're starting to do their own editions. And I'm like, yes, guys do it. It's so important for just the people who want to collect your work as well yes. um, to have a piece that they can have that maybe isn't going to be as, as expensive as one of your originals, but as a way for them to enter into collecting your work. And it's an amazing practice to get into. I think every artist should at least do a few edition runs if they can in their lifetime um, and keep them small. Don't get crazy. I hate when I'm like, one of 50,000. <laughs> right well I mean you know Damien Hurst is you know he has open editions and you, you, you'll get things up into like you know it's an edition of 2300 and you're just like well that's insane but he does what he does and it works I mean yeah actually he does what he does and it works uh and everybody gets a piece that they can own that's from an artist that they love and that they can afford and it's signed by the artist and it's yeah. great yeah, they, I, they, they I, care about their audience they care about their patrons and they get yes. have a relationship with people that exactly. they would not have been able people who wouldn't most of my like works by artists that like i love are editions because i absolutely cannot afford like original works and i love them all <laughs> as if they were like hand painted right and because they are almost sometimes will become just as expensive as some of their original That's works true. right um more questions. it's just yeah Okay. I was asked, well, I was confronted, aggressively confronted by <laughs> at art school. They were like, Erica, what, how are you ever going to make money with installations? Which I like, obviously didn't know how to answer that question. And then they were like, are you going to sell this as additions? Which I was like, can someone explain to me how that would work, please? Which obviously they didn't because they were just like, why don't you know this? And I was like, because I'm, I'm in school and I'm learning um anyway so for for any of the listeners who actually don't really know what that that means like we um I don't want to sound condescending but doing additions means that you're printing your work in a series of however many let's just call them copies for the time being I'm really sorry if this isn't the right word but they are they are an addition they are different quote-unquote similar so bad Erica why did you dig yourself I know you're like just gonna like watch I know, I know. So, okay, I'm gonna bypass that. so my question is therefore <laughs> how would one go about starting to go and build addition work to go and sell it okay like it's just yeah how would they go about doing this we're I'm gonna start having these additions now now what do I do I, the thought so, is like sunken in my head so I think the best way to do it which you know with some of the artists that i've been working with now this is what we're doing is we work on an edition that goes along with you know a body of work that we're going to be presenting but it's it's work that they create to specifically make into an edition i think when people try to take originals and then turn them into editions which is what a lot of estates do which is great um for an estate but I think if you're a living artist make an edition that's specifically meant to be an edition that you know that you're going to do a run of like 30 um especially if you're young and just starting I would say like keep it in the low numbers um that you create is specifically for this edition and I think that's the best way to sort of like start because I think when people want to take originals and then turn them into editions I feel like you're going to you're, you're kind of crossing lines that I think are, are a little strange, um, just in a, the way that somebody has that piece already. And then it mm -hmm. feels like what you just said, which dug you into a hole a little bit, was that someone made a copy of my original and then sold it for less. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, how dare they? Um, but I think when you make a work specifically for that run, 
it's just a great way to sort of get your work out there into collectors' hands, into people who maybe want to be able to afford on that level, but you don't know what those people are going to do down the line. It's a great way for them into an entryway into having one of your works because they maybe want to see what you're going to do. They want to see how you're going to evolve before they're ready to invest in a piece down the line um, or purchase something from you later. Like they, they, you know, you're, you're just starting out in your practice so who knows how things will change, but they love this edition print that you made. And it's a great way for them to start working with you and to be able to collect some of your pieces and sort of go from there. So I think, I think that's really important. Yeah. I don't think people talk when people talk about like the edition runs and if they don't talk about like, this is also like cultivating a collector base of people who are invested in your work and your practice for like yes. the long haul. And like, just because like yeah. maybe they can only afford an edition right now, that doesn't mean that like their friend who's coming over might not be able to see something of yours that they might be able to afford like later on somebody gets a new job and they've got more money to disposal. They're already invested in your, in your career and like that grows. Yeah. And it's also just, you know, it's just a nice, sometimes people get very, very wealthy and they start giving out your editions as gifts. <laughs> yes. And honestly, and it's brand I mean, awareness. My God. Here's it's brand awareness, but also, I mean, nitty gritty of the situation here. If you want to, if we really want to get there, is your margins there are usually pretty amazing and so, so doing an addition that maybe doesn't cost you very much to make but you could sell for a bit more really helps you in in kind of moving forward um and gets you a little bit of extra cash to kind of be able to create other things so it's it's something to always kind of keep in your back pocket um to think about and you're right you don't know where you're collectors are going to go especially if you're starting out they're probably maybe your peers at this point who are collecting your artworks and having edition prints is always been a great entryway into collecting always has been but I have collectors now who are you know more established and all of that jazz who genuinely only collect edition prints um it's just some people just have more of an affinity for it and want want that it's it's kind of interesting it's like people who maybe can't afford the the squillions but can afford this and then it's people who are like yeah i could afford the squillions but you know what i prefer the edition print yeah and i think also there's like uh, there's something to be said because it's you know people don't mock editions when it's in photographs people don't really mock mm -mm. editions when it's like a bronze sculpture because it's like you made this mm -hmm. you know giant mold you're going to use it a couple of times everyone's like oh well yeah time and investment like yeah we're going to mm -hmm. use this mold until it's broken after like, well and also hours. let's you know uh there are different levels of edition yeah. prints too so it's you know if you're doing like a um what we like to call like an archival pigment uh print digital print um you know, it's going to be totally different from doing a silk screen, which takes, I have artists who do silk screen works that are like 30, 40 silk screens deep. That means that mm -hmm. there are 30, 40 different times that that thing is being run under a press to get the color on there and get the image on there. Um, wood blocks, lithographs, like they all go into different categories of actual intricacy that takes place and to get those things done. So you're not getting something that you're like, oh, well, they probably just printed it on a printer or whatever. You're like, right. this is actually an art form in and of this itself. Is a, yeah, this is a Kinko's that, press. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Some of these things are like, you know, like when I think about, you know, lithographs or when I think about people doing like wood, wood blocks and I'm thinking, that took so much time to get that on that piece of wood to get this image that is that I'm now looking at and, and they had to create that and so that in and of itself is a is like a crazy artwork that's been made so it's been pulled out a few times from that wood block but to make that was insane mm -hmm. and the process was insane absolutely and i think so, it is i do i still find it like just so funny because it's i do see like the biggest artists in the world do edition works you were talking about damien yeah. hearts we're talking about ai Weiwei. we're talking about takashi murakami i mean these are the big kahindi wild these are the biggest artists in the world and they're all working yeah. with editions so like for like all of them no one's too good for and, it, are, and are tough to get like 
No, and are and they're tough to get. Mm-hmm. You know, Kahinde, I was looking for Kahinde Wiley for ages, and an edition that I think originally came out at like five thousand dollars or something like that, which is expensive. Yes, is now is now only available for about fourteen thousand to fifteen thousand. Because this yeah. is also a thing is you have to remember is that as editions sell, the smaller the amount that I have left to sell to you, the more expensive those become. Mm-hmm. So if I started with an edition of let's say like small number, let's say I started with 20. I've sold about like now I've sold 10. I, you know, I've only got 10 left. Okay. Now I'm at five. Those five are now way more expensive than the first, when I first started this with 20. Yeah. That's so it, it like, it, it has those funny ways of like making its numbers like that. So when his, when his edition started selling out, if you're not lucky enough to be on that list to get the first, right. You're like, great. I guess I'm spending 15 K on this edition yeah. print edition print. And the people who were online in the first are the people who bought them last time. Yep. Yes. Because they're already invested in the career. And that is on relationship building and art world stuff, guys. Ooh. 100%. Yeah. Every time. Every time. Oh, it is a lot of who you know. I hate that, but it is a lot of who you know. And as you, you know what, though, as you kind of get in this, in this world, you just start knowing more people. It's just natural that we just start to meet it more is. people and you like keep, you know, the, your circles grow and, and now I see it and now I take advantage of it too. You know, like if someone comes to me and like, they need somebody for this help or this, whatever, like now I know people who I can like hook them up with and it's great. Um, and, but those kind of soft skills, relationship building, it's, you know, you have to be, I find it so funny because I find it to be, you have to be so inherently hopeful mm-hmm. to think about that for the long time. And I think this too, also, because I wanted to talk to you about also like being like a woman in the art world, because I, I mean, I came here after science and I knew that like, you know, misogyny is everywhere. We live in a, you know, where we live, <laughs> but it's like, it's a little bit easier to be a woman here. Because I can dress, you know, no one's going to judge me for dressing up and having fun at an opening, drinking somebody's free champagne, you know, like that's totally like fine here, but it's still like kind of hard. And then again, that's also like a weird, hopeful stance to be in where it's just like, I'm just going to keep pushing against this and mm-hmm. I'm just going to keep going. Are we all optimists? Is that what I'm saying, guys? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Loving care, yes. loving care 100%. devotion. It is, it is 100%. Because I will tell you, um, here, oh, this is my favorite art world moment. Okay, so I was in London. I was, um, you know, scouring for jobs, anything, anything, anything. And I and I was went to, finally got an interview at this, um, it was an old master's gallery, which I was kind of already a bit like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but a job is a job is a job. So I went in and I was doing the interview. I thought everything was going great. I knew a lot of the players that they were talking about. So it was fine. And at one point he sort of this older gentleman that was interviewing me said, so, you know, I have to, I have to ask, you know, you're, you're a young woman. I'm assuming you're dating somebody. And, um, you know, we, we did just recently, lose our last person because she is pregnant and so you know I I just I'm wondering you know what do you see yourself doing down the line and I was like is this is he asking me if I'm going to get pregnant anytime soon that's happened to me too he was happy that I was single so I wasn't going to get pregnant anytime soon and I was like you don't know where babies come from but I got the job would I have gotten the job if I had a partner who knows we yeah. that is wild. I hadn't. I don't think I've told anybody that. So wait, Erica and it happened to you too. Yeah, incredible, incredible. And that's insane to me. That is insane to me that all of us can. I love it. Be here and ask. say that that happened. Do you have to? Ask? I know. Do you really? Was it that pertinent to hiring me on for this position that I'm overly qualified mm-hmm. for? Um, I, I very politely walked out of that gallery and was just like, I don't even care if they call me back. I can't do it. I just can't, I can't work for somebody who oh, would. I took the job. I couldn't I, do it. I, <laughs> and, uh, 
My boss literally just said to me, he didn't ask. He was like, my ex-boss, he goes, you know what's great about you? I know that you're not going to have kids. So like, I never have to worry about the fact that you're going to go and take maternity leave. And I was like, okay. I was like, all right. Erica, that's so funny because I also think that's what's so great about you all the time. When people are like, what's so great about Erica? I'm like, what's so great about Erica? She's never going to take maternity leave. And that's why she's my (laughs) podcast host. Can you imagine those words coming out of my mouth? I know well you know what they didn't even call me back so who knows what have happened <laughs> probably they were like no nah, that girl looks like she could get pregnant we're not she gonna hire her super fertile <laughs> so can't, but it was just like it. for the first time I was like oh my god I hate this this like old men's club that's like running this this industry and mm-hmm. you know we even make sometimes an old women's club is that does that have the same yes thing? yes can we I would in a, I in would a hot it's second like I would girls. I'm gonna start next time um I have to interview a man no I think I would hate to do that I, I hate to interview a man and be like so are you gonna get your girlfriend or whoever not yeah. up anytime like, I don't need to hear about how you're knocking up the ladies. I just need to know. Yeah. Oh my god. Are you and planning on taking you know, maternity leave? Because we don't right? allow that story. Uh, it's just insane that you know it's 2023 and these are still things that, that are are happening. And you know, some of my male counterparts, I look at them and I'm like, "You've been doing this for like a minute, and you are so far." in your career I've been doing this for 17 years and I'm just now feeling like I've gotten somewhere that at least pays my bills <laughs> yeah yeah no I know and, there's been I was offered a job once and I found out later that they were thinking about offering it to a guy it was like between me and him and I think mm-hmm. that like the plan was is like that if they, if they did go with the guy, he was going to be getting like twenty or thirty thousand dollars more a year than what they ended up paying me. It's like what? And like, and I don't, you know, and I don't want to make it men versus women thing because it, it, I would, but it kind of is. It's like I, I wish that it wasn't. Yeah. I wish it was more like experience versus experience. Um. But then I remember it's like a bunch of old white dudes who kind of are. A, lot of the gatekeepers too yeah in this industry yeah and you know anytime I do find a female and especially one that like I can relate to or I understand I deep dive with them big time and that's probably Alexis probably why I was like I'm gonna deep dive with this girl because she gets it (laughs) um when I first met you and you know now I have Erica so it's like look at us we're a plenty um but you know when I find women in this industry who've who've come far like one of the partners of the gallery here is a female and I remember when I first met her I was like I want to know everything you did because I will follow in your footsteps like yeah anytime I find a female who has reached levels in the art world and is still actually a nice human I deep dive with them big time because I'm I'm like we have to be we gotta be there for each other (laughs) yeah well it's (laughs) Um, not surprising see that people aren't going very far considering our experience just like how many people probably had babies because that's a very normal human being thing to do and then just didn't have a job when they got back or like weren't you know and I think that like and don't get me wrong, everybody who's listening, like I know a bajillion dudes who are totally also abused in their workplace and are in toxic situations yeah. and who are underpaid. It, this is not an exclusively women problem in this industry, but I do think that there's like a little special extra circle of hell for um, women, uh, people of color, queer people, you know, underrepresented. 100%. That, I was going to say, like, you can add layers to that. Yeah, but it's like, you look anything yeah. different. Erica, you get two layers. <laughs> right? <laughs> also, I realized um, recently, my students don't actually know what my age is. I was like, you know that I'm significantly older than you guys are. And they were like, no, you're like, what, 26, 7, 8? I was like, uh, no. 
Yeah. So that's also a fun problem. It's like if you're too if you're too young looking, but if you're too old looking, like the it's a it's if a you're bit, too pretty, you're not pretty enough. It's a very enough. weird thing. Yeah. And I when I say I'm 38, and there this is the response I get. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel. It's like, thank you, congratulations to me. Like I don't want I have yeah. you guys think about this. Like the math doesn't add up as a person who has a PhD. Like I can't. There, some of your students are I'm not surprised that they can't do math um it's <laughs> I'm just saying Burn. I'm just saying uh it's interesting I I remember one time I was at a gallery my very my only gallery job I've ever worked was my first my first art job and I was just thinking and like looking back like I was such a cute girl um oh R.I.P. <laughs> baby Alexis but I I got sent home from work one time for wearing jeans and a tank top and I only wore it because another gallery girl had, that's what we called it back then, guys. We called ourselves gallery girls in 2007. We Don't get mad at me. There, uh, um, there was a show about it. It was a show. It was a show about it. That's what we called. But another gallery girl who was skinnier and prettier than I, I am, um, she wore jeans and a tank top. No problem. And then I came in like the next day, like wearing, I was like, oh, I guess we're like in a casual place now. I can wear jeans. I got sent home and I had to change clothes. Uh, and I got like a 45 minute lecture about it. Um, it was incredible. So it's like, ah, just so it's like, you can't even, it's hard to even be a lady rank. And I know. And then again, it kind of circles all the way back to then why do you do it? And it's because I am good for nothing else. I'm literally good for nothing else. <laughs> this is what I love. And it's God damn it. it. I'm going to, I'm going to just push through and, you know, I try to create a dynamic now with my team where I want to be just as supportive as some of the women that I have come across were supportive with me. And I think that's the best that I move forward with. And I also try to do like, there are no barriers in this gallery. Anytime anybody walks in, everybody is always approached with at least a hello. If we're busy, they at least get a hello. How you doing? And, you know, people will always come up to us and be like, oh, I have a stupid question. And we're always first thing, there are no dumb questions. No dumb questions. What do you got? You know, like, we want people to feel like they can come in this gallery and enjoy and ask questions and not feel like they're walking into something that's scary and intimidating. And, um, you know, I have two younger women colleagues that I work with and I try to be as supportive as I can with them because they're this is both of their first jobs straight out the gate and I want to be like dang you're so lucky they're so lucky I was just about to say like they're so lucky they're so lucky also you should send both home uh, wearing jeans tomorrow I'm just saying just let them have a taste I will do you know what they're wearing jeans now I'm just gonna go back out I'm gonna go out and be like you know what you guys we're gonna have a 45 minute talk I need you to go home come back one of them lives in Inglewood, so it'll be great. She won't get back until we're closed anyway. She actually won't come back. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just be jeans. like, listen, you can't, what is this? What's going on? <laughs> I say that. I'm wearing jeans. Um, oh, I was also was in a lot of sweaters at that. It made my brain soft. It's also very funny because again, like, why do we do it? Like, that was like, I still have like the best stories from that job. I was there for like seven months and it was totally monstrous. <laughs> and you don't care. I mean, like, I don't care. the amount of jobs that made me like have literal anxiety every mm-hmm. day of walking into mm-hmm. the galleries or walking into the studio and I'd still be like okay hi hi what's <laughs> what next do, what do you need me to do what today? artist is gonna like yeah like one artist would call me on the phone and it would like make my freaking like world oh my god I'm still friends with like everybody I know I like know from there too it's so funny oh the art world <laughs> I love it. Yeah, because we're like, um, we hold on to each other as well, especially when you find kindred spirits. You're just like, you get it. You get it. And uh, I'm going to hold on. I mean, there's plenty of people I've met that I hold on to and will never let go because I'm like, you're my art world survival kit. you the moment the the important question yes what have you been reading watching or listening to this week okay this week uh RuPaul's Drag Race (laughs) I was super far behind 
and I was just catching up because the finale is tomorrow and I didn't want to be the only one who didn't know what was going on. Um, I love that show so much. It's so creative and so sassy all in one go. It's the best thing you can ever watch on television. It's so good. I mean, what, like, what season are we on now? Uh, a thousand. I don't yeah, even know. Like, it's, it's literally. Just, it's a perfect show. Everybody loves it. It's. I hope it's on the on TV forever. I know. So I wanted good. to be like, oh, I'm doing something super intellectual. I mean, I am reading this other book at the same time. It's it's called What's Your, is it called What's Your Why? Mm-hmm. And it's oh, about this okay. guy who's like, yeah, I was talking about like how people who you know when you know what you're doing when you're doing something because you you inherently know why you're doing it and you have good intentions for why you're doing it, how it becomes successful because of that, as opposed to people who are like, what's your why? It's to make money. And you're like, well, that doesn't work. <laughs> we all I also think that as people who work in the industry, our whys are a lot more apparent. We don't necessarily start off with, because I want to make boatloads of money. You're yeah, yeah, then you're in the wrong industry. <laughs> you're in the wrong industry. <laughs> Go somewhere else. Try we're in the industry again. where we're sent home because we wear shorts that are too short. Yep. Or whatever else it is. Like that's the industry that we're in. We're in the industry where we're basically paying them to work in it. <laughs> For a long time. Yes. Oh yes. Absolutely. Ay, ay, ay. Oh my gosh. Uh Andrea, thank you so much for joining yeah. us. Thank you. If our listeners, where can they find you on the interwebs? Um, I mean, well, they can find me on my Instagram as yeah. <laughs> at Drea Bell. Um, and also HamiltonSelway.com. You can find all of our great um artists on there and see what we're kind of up to. And I post constantly about what we're doing in the gallery. So um we're kind of changing things up. So it's really exciting and the website yeah. actually for Hamilton Selway is really really user-friendly and I think that if anybody's really interested in like what these like markets look like and like what offerings are around you'll have a really user-friendly website to really just kind of like you know have yeah. fun and like just like go around and like look up like price and like artists and like it's just it's really it's a really useful tool um for anybody who wants to learn more about that also and just like see oh what's my god my colleague Mike my colleague Mike is going to be so excited you said that. I right, can't well, wait yeah, to tell him. Tell Mike I said I do. I love the website. It's great. So uh, <laughs> you can find me at Hide or Die Everywhere. You can find me at To Practice Practice. Uh, and um, yeah, I'll put all that information into the blurby. And until next time, bye. Bye.